Ah, here I am. A little weird, huh? It's okay. We make it work. All right. Obviously, you already know me. I'm one of the pastors here. I have the privilege and honor of pastoring the youth with my wife, Ashley. And uh, we love our students, man. The youth are great. They're awesome. Um, Today, I'll be speaking for you guys. It is week four of our member series. Basically, uh, this month, we have been going back in time and reflecting on Lance's old messages, his own sermon series. And each of the pastors have taken a turn, and today's my turn. I chose um, a series in October. It was a story about David and what it means to be interrupted in our life. And we'll be touching on 1 Samuel 17. Before we do, I'm going to pray for us. Dear God, I thank you so much for this wonderful morning. I thank you, God, that you are above it all, that your ways are much better than our ways, and your thoughts are much higher than our thoughts. So God, today, as much as we wrestle with this thing called life, and it's unpredictable, sometimes very scary, overwhelming, but God, just for this moment, we say we focus on you, God, today. We want your heart. We want to be vulnerable to you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Well, good morning, guys. Are you guys awake? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love it. Um, you know, I want to talk about the story of David and Goliath, and like I said, it's in 1 Samuel 17. And uh, I love what Pastor Steve said last week. It says, we can't always just read Scripture just reading it, but we need to allow Scripture to read us, right? So I begin to reflect on, what's the Goliath in my life? What's this big nine-foot giant that I've been fighting, always taunting me? And a big thing, to be transparent with you, is anger. I grew up in a very angry household. I watched my father destroy things, yell, and every time he tried to get his point across, that's what he did. So what did I do? I mimicked the same thing. You see, me and drywall used to be really good friends, okay? All the time. I'd be patching drywall all day. My dad would be so angry. Why do you always do this? I think in my head, well, you do this. Why wouldn't I do that? So anger and drywall kind of were like neighbors to me, okay? And so that's, that was, that's my Goliath. And I would say that when I was a teenager, I grew up very aggressive, very angry, violent, upset, and offended by the world. I thought everything was unfair. I was always complaining, so angry, and that anger turned into hatred, turned into violence. And I think I got better at it, right? My wife might say it's differently sometimes, <laughs> my poor wife, but hey, God is always working in us. And today, I want to talk about that of, and ask you the question is, what is your Goliath in life? What's that thing that stands in between you and the Lord? Some of you guys in this room may love the Lord, and that's awesome. But just because we love the Lord, sometimes we have a hard time seeing him as the Lord over our lives. He has a mission called upon your life. And what's that Goliath standing in the way, taunting you, instilling fear in you, saying, that's not going to happen? So that's the big question for today is, what is your Goliath in life? You see, Scripture tells us to live unoffended, that there's these things in life that can cause us to become upset. We have to mingle well with others and love God and love people, but everyone thinks kind of differently, different political parties, different cultures, how to raise a family. We have all these feuds in our community and sometimes it gets us so offended that we walk away allowing God to minister to us. And it can be so subtle and so quiet that it comes like a thief in the night, just like the enemy is. He comes to seek, kill, and destroy. 
So the title of my message today is Fighting Our Goliath and Living Unoffended. You know, I realize that in society right now is that it's very sensitive. People get very upset. We see all the time on media, on news, and conversations of the differences that people have. And as a country, I feel like we should be one together. And as a body of Christ, God tells us to be one, to love one another as I have loved you. But we're not doing so much of that these days, are we? And so I think that's the Goliath that we face in society at this moment is that there's a complete divide and it's very obvious in what the enemy's trying to do. But how different would it look if we choose to not live offended, but choose to be unoffended by the barriers in life? Now I'm talking about all the hurts from unprecedented changes, differing opinions of others, the conflicts in your family, your friendships, your communities, you name it. You think about it in your own head. Heck, even churches have conflict. I've seen the nastiest church splits ever. And I would say that a lot of my personal hurt has came from the church too. Isn't that funny? how we come together as a family of Christ, coming to honor the one and only God, but then yet we fight so much amongst each other, denominations, churches. We don't work well together. Isn't that funny how that works? And that makes me wonder, huh, the enemy's kind of, he's cunning. If I were the enemy, I would probably do the same thing. I will go and penetrate from the inside of the army to divide the leaders, to divide the churches, And then the other flock, they're going to run around rampant with their heads cut off, not knowing what to do. Very cunning of him. You know what I realized throughout my life? I've always asked God to teach me. I remember when I was a brand new Christian, and pastors always tell me, this is just the first part. It's going to be a lifelong journey, and it's not easy to follow Christ. You ready for this? I said, I'm ready. And I was so scared sometimes. Am I going to fall back in my own ways? How will people see me? What kind of changes and sacrifices do I have to make? So I always ask God, can you teach me? I always said the Spirit, Lord, teach me. Teach me how to graduate high school, college, how to be an adult, how to be a husband, how to be a pastor. I'm still praying this thing to this day. Lord, teach me. So I wonder if we ask God today how to teach us to be unoffended and to forgive our neighbor the same day that we are offended, I wonder how much breakthrough we'd see in life. If on the same day something stabs you in the heart or hurts you or you are mentally fatigued by not able to stop thinking about what upset you, instead of wrestling in that and just sitting in that in the mud, you go forward and you confront it. And you use the words of Jesus to reconcile with one another on the same day. You see, I realize that we're not all too smart. That's why the Bible says that we are sheep and he's the shepherd. God, he's much smarter than we are. He sees the things that we don't see. He loves more courageously than we do. He governs this world more better than we do. And it reminds me of this scripture in Isaiah 55. It'll be up on the screen. It says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. 
Does this mean we don't have an opinion? No. We still have a brain that we can use. He's blessed us with that. But I think there's something to understand here is that we need to surrender our lives and give control over to him. Because if he told us everything that he's about to do in this life, I think our minds would explode because it's just too much to fathom. So we need to understand that his thoughts are nothing like our thoughts. He's more offended and championing the things that you are offended by. All we need to do is go forward to him and say, teach me, what should I do? Now let's recap on the story of of David here. Most of you know King David as a man with great intentions, determined to bring the presence of God into a nation. David was a God of, of war who opposed those who oppose the Lord. David, a man of great mistakes, but regardless of those things, he always found a way to repent and come back to the Lord. He was very sensitive and close to God. But most importantly, he's well known for being a man chasing after God's own heart. You see, God always looked at our heart first. We learned about that from Pastor Lance back in October. The heart in Scripture is a person's inner and moral spiritual life. You know what else I realized about David? Is that he was never offended by God. He always put God first. He was never offended. Things probably didn't go his way a lot of times. People gossiping about him, how he is leading a nation, critiquing him. But I'm sure that he was never so offended where he complained to God and saying, you did this to me. I'm so angry at you. How could you do this? I thought you said you loved me, and yet this happens. He was never offended. God was always the person that he ran to first. He was so close in contact with him. Now, what do we see in the heart of David? Well, you see it in a very famous scripture in Psalms 23. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the valley of death, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protects me and comforts me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You welcome me as a guest, anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. What a good verse. What does it mean to be a shepherd? You see, David was a shepherd, and a good shepherd loves well. A good shepherd protects well. I think David was a shepherd and appointed a shepherd by his father because he saw good leadership in him. Something different about this young boy. He's trustworthy. He's responsible. He's able to take care of this herd of sheep. I'm not sure if David knew that God was putting him in that place with intentions of training him up to later on lead a nation. I'm not sure if he knew that. But you know what's so interesting about David? Why would anyone want to be a shepherd if you're in solitude, I don't know how many hours of the day. It could have been 12 hours a day. By himself, just with sheep that don't know how to talk. Okay, protecting from lions, lions, wolves, bears. Why would anyone want that job? 
It's dangerous. It's boring. You're alone. But you see, that was a blessing to him because he spent time with the Lord during those moments in solitude. I'm not sure if he knew that being a shepherd, he was helping him to be established as a future king one day. But David, regardless of that, said, this brings honor to my God, so I will do it. He was learning how to be a shepherd. You see, all of us in this room, we observe, we people watch. We're very like, we're, 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 we have this thing called like sensitivity where we can understand and vibe check, the kids call it, right? We vibe check things. And we model what we allow access to our hearts. And what do we allow access to our hearts? What we digest, what we look at, what we listen to, okay? David modeled a shepherd so well because he understood the Lord is the ultimate shepherd. He modeled that so well because he was in close contact with God all the time. He understood what it took to be a good shepherd. Perhaps you're fighting something that you can call Goliath in your life right now. Maybe you've been allowing this something or the words of someone to have access to your heart where God should be, where you should be allowing him to minister to you. We shouldn't allow access to everything, guys. We need to guard our hearts in the name of Jesus. You see, Goliath, our Goliaths in life, can be so subtle and quiet, just coming in like a cloak, right? We don't even know it sometimes. Just that one moment when someone says something, you get upset, and you go, ah, probably didn't mean it. I'll just let it slide by. But then days go on, and it's still think, you're still thinking about it. And next time you see that person, you kind of like approach them a different way. And it becomes so subtle that you go months now, maybe even years, I'd say, and you don't confront it. And by confronting it, I mean putting it up to the Lord and saying, I'm wrestling with this right now. I, I'm not really sure how to comprehend it and understand it, but I want to mention it to you, God. Can you help me? You see, I feel like that's where the deception comes, the manipulation comes, where it begins to plant something in our heart. Ephesians 4 says, do not give the devil a foothold. You know what foothold means? It means a place. It literally means a place. And it was often referred to in military contexts where an invading army would secure a place from which a deeper attack could be launched. So if we don't be careful what we're allowing to have access in our hearts, we're allowing the enemy to place a foothold in our lives to launch a bigger attack. A subtle, just knock, knock, come inside, and you go, oh, you haven't left yet, and then launches a bigger attack. Now let's turn to Samuel 17. Starting from verse 4, it says, Then Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet and coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. He also wore bronze leg armor, and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was heavy and thick as a weaver's beam tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. His armor bearer walked ahead of him 
carrying his shield. Goliath stood and shouted and taunted across to the Israelites, Why are you all coming out to fight, he called. I am the Philistine champion, but you are only servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. And when Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. What a bold challenge by, by Goliath. The world champion, the world champion comes. Champion in, the, in, in, in Hebrew means a middleman, the man that stands in between two. You see, Goliath was standing in between Israel and him and them. And he's saying that all what you guys believe in is rubbish. I'm about to destroy you. Send your toughest guy here and I'll show you that we're bigger and better and stronger. What's your Goliath in your life? Who's the man or something standing in between you and the Lord where you are deeply shaken and frightened just like they felt? Now going on, it says, For 40 days, every morning and evening, the Philistine champion strutted in front of the Israelite army. One day Jesse said to David, Take this basket of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brother's. And give these ten cuts of cheese to their captain. See how your brothers are getting along and bring back a report on how they are doing. David left his things with the keeper of supplies and hurried out to the ranks to greet his brothers. And he was walking with them. Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunts to the army of Israel. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Have you seen the giant? The men asked. He comes out each day to defy Israel. The king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He will give the man one of his daughters for a wife, and the man's entire family will be exempted from paying taxes. David asked the soldier standing nearby, What will a man get for killing the Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine uh, Philistine? Anyway, that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God. And these men gave David the same reply. They said, yes, that is a reward for killing him. But when David's oldest brother heard David talking to the men, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyway, he demanded. What are about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and deceit. You just want to see a battle. You just want to see a fight. David replied, what have I done now? I was only asking a question. He walked away, or he walked over to some others and asked them the same thing and received the same answer. Then David's question was reported to King Saul, and the king sent for him. My first point is this. David placed God's cause before everything else. David placed God's cause before everything before his own personal safety, before his own glory, before his own honor. He had a tremendous passion for God's cause. He was more concerned about God's cause than his own feelings. Now imagine, what if his older brother's words were so powerful 
that it discouraged him, and he just got so upset, so offended, and he just walked away and left that battle. What would have happened? Would his life completely have changed? Would that alter the plans of God and his anointing to be a future king? What would have happened if he got offended and just left? Now I wonder, have we been offended so badly in life by someone or some circumstance that we walked completely away from God and his calling in our life? That he has given us a direction, but one day someone, not even knowing your call that God has given you, just upset you and you go, you know what, heck with this. I'm out. And you just leave. Family, is, is it that big compared to our God? Is it really that upsetting that we go before the creator of this universe, the one that is literally giving you your breath right now? Are we that powerful enough to say, yeah, I'm, I'm out. This, this thing that I'm angry about, like this is much more important than, than what you're telling me to do. I just got to say that. Like really think about that. That's ridiculous to me. But what did David do? He showed strength. Regardless of opposition and critique by his brothers in the other army, they're probably laughing at him and saying, you're just a boy. You're like 16. There's grown men out here that know how to fight. You've never fought before. And you claim that you're going to go out there and defeat this nine-foot giant champion of the world. He could have just left, discouraged. Living offended doesn't do anything for us. It just gets us stuck. It gets us more angry. Think about a time when, when you were angry. Did that ever help you? For me, my hands hurt. I got to fix my drywall, okay? <laughs> that wasn't fun, just, just angry, just, you know what I mean? Point number two, what we do when nobody is watching matters. Going back to David, being in solitude, talking to sheep that don't know how to talk, okay? What he did during that time mattered. He was alone, but God was working in him. He was training him to be a future king. So what you're doing right now when nobody else is watching, it matters. Your children are watching. Our youth at this church are watching. Heck, I'm watching. Everybody watches what you do when nobody is looking. What you do when you're home, the Lord watches. He's always trying to work within us. He's always trying to lift us up. He's a good father. Remember, that's what good dads do. No doubt David had so many conversations with God. And no doubt that's what made him so close to God. Chuck Swindle, a, a pastor that is in Texas, in El Paso, said this. He describes one of God's favorite methods of training as monotony. It says that that's being faithful in the menial, insignificant, routine, regular, unexciting, uneventful, daily tasks of life. Life without a break, without the wine and roses. Just dull, plain, L-I-F-E. Just constant, unchanging, endless hours of tired monotony as you learn to be a man or woman of God. With nobody else around, when nobody else notices, when nobody else even cares. That's how we learn how to king it. 
to king that thing in your life, that Goliath in your life. Man, I got to hurry up here. 1 Samuel 17, again, 32, it says, Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You are only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When the lion and a bear, or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. It's the animal... If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this with both lions and bears, and I'll go do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws, the lion, and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Come on. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet, a coat of mail, David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it feels like, for he had never worn such things. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into his shepherd's bag. Then armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Goliath walked out towards David with the shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here, and I'll give you your flesh to the birds and the wild animals, Goliath yelled. David replied to the Philistine, you come to me with the sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies the God of the armies of Israel, who you have defied. Today, the Lord will conquer you, and I'll kill you, and I'll cut off your head, and then I'll give you the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled, and here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not by sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran to meet him, reaching out into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone. He hurled it with this sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in, and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from his sheath. David used it to, cut off, to kill him and cut off his head. You see, during our times in solitude, just like David, is where we see God building us courage, character, things that he will want you to use to love God and to, and to love people and to give him glory. You see, that's where he establishes us the call, our call to action. You see, David didn't get ready for that fight that same day. David got ready for that fight in his time of preparation. You never go into any kind of sport or any kind of competition saying, ah, I'll just like, I'll be ready the day, when the day comes. I don't need to train. No, you're going you're gonna to gas out. 
you're, gonna, you're not going to do well. It's the same thing with their Christian faith. We think that we can stop this, this person named Satan. But if we're not in our word, if we're not praying, if we're not obedient to the Lord, recognizing that he is Savior and he is Lord, the enemy's going to stomp over us. So we need to get ready with the Lord in our times of solitude. We need to spend that quality time that we call a secret place. I love how David says that today the Lord will conquer you. You know what I find interesting about that? He didn't say, today I'm going to conquer you. No, it's not about him. David's cause was for God's cause. He said, the Lord will conquer you today. You defy the armies of the living God, and I'm going to show you not to talk about our God like that. I'm going to show you that the gods that you believe in are not gods. They're not real. I will show you my God, not by sword, not by javelin, not by spear, but by the name of the living God. I feel like that should be our chant. That should be our weapon that we go forward when we see our Goliath in life and say, I don't come to you with sword, spear, or javelin. I come to you in the name of the living God. He says, the Lord will conquer you today. And my last point, living offended agrees with the redemption of Jesus. When we live unoffended, it agrees with what Jesus did on the cross for us. I want to read you this powerful text in Ephesians 4. It says, so stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth. For we are all parts of the same body. And, do not, and don't sin by letting anger, living offended, control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good, hard work. And then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. My goodness, you're telling me that I have the power to bring sorrow to God. Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He has identified you as His own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as, all well, as well as all the types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. What a powerful verse. Don't bring sorrow to God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit. How powerful is that? Think about that for a sec. We have the ability to bring sorrow to God. I don't know about you. I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> I don't want to be that guy. You know what this reminds me of? We have the power also to make an active choice in how we want to live our lives. Are we going to live in bitterness, anger, slander, hating one another? thinking our ways are better than his ways, continue to bring sorrow to God because he's just not worth it, right? 
we have an active choice to live unoffended and seek the heart of Jesus. That means agreeing with what he did on the cross for us. That he paid the ultimate price. And that's so much bigger than my problems right now. And I get it. It can be hard. We get overwhelmed by life. Perhaps right now your mind says you should follow God, but your heart is so broken that you just can't. Perhaps you've been burned by so many people in your family, your community, your church. But your mind tells you to reconcile, but your heart is so broken. Perhaps you're having marital issues right now, and you don't know how to work with your spouse, and you go, this is a, this is a dead end. I'm so angry. I don't want to put words in your mouth on what you're offended by in life or what your Goliath is. But I will, you, I will tell you one thing is that the Lord is still king over it all. And you have an opportunity to choose what you want to do and not bring sorrow to the Holy Spirit. This is, my, this is what I want you to leave with. Scripture says in, in Psalms 26, verse 2 and 3, it says, Put me on trial, Lord, and cross-examine me. Test my motives and my heart. For I am always aware of your unfailing love. And I've lived according to your truth. Family. Let's not follow suit to what the world's doing. We're not supposed to, we're not supposed to let the world influence us. We're, we're, we're supposed to shift kingdom culture in the world. We're, we're the... We're the we're the bringers of peace here. We, 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 we are instruments for the Lord. We all have that power within us called the Holy Spirit to be sensitive to his heart. Let's not bring sorrow to the Holy Spirit by the way we live. Because remember, he's identified you as his own and guaranteed redemption by what he has already done. And let's respond to Goliaths, the Goliaths in our life just like David did when, he was taunt, when, when Goliath was taunting him for 40 days, taunting the army of Israel for 40 days. But let's respond to the Goliaths in life and say, today my God will conquer you. And let's place God's cause over everything else. Let aside your, what you're offended by. Let aside your plans of, I need more money. My kids need to be this way. I wish my house was just a little bit bigger. I wish I just lived a little bit closer to church so I don't have to commute 30 minutes. Okay? I wish my health was better. Why do I have this detriment in my life? Let's focus on the most important thing in life which is to glorify the Lord and identify as a zone. Amen? Amen? Let me pray for you guys. Dear God, I thank you so much for being king above it all, for being the one and only God. So Lord, we thank you for times like this where we see a broken world where people are so offended 
But God, I ask you, we thank you for the ability to choose to live differently, to live unoffended, to be about your cause, to not bring sorrow to your Holy Spirit, to be the culture shifters in life, to bring kingdom here on earth. So may your will be done, God. We leave here today just being a little bit more mindful not to be offended, but to live unoffended according to your word and your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Wait, well, guys, I want to dismiss you. If you can all just all rise. Look, there's something... Uh, that I, that I caught over at this church in Sumner. I went over there to support Lance, and he's speaking there on a Saturday night. They did this thing where uh, the pastor went up and was like, hey, uh, we have a lobby out there. We have coffee. We have all our ministry leads out there mingling, and I want to encourage you guys to go out and to mingle with one another, okay? So can I, can I challenge you this morning? Can you guys do that? To go outside and to mingle with, like, people like me, Mo. Pastor Dave, Heather, all the other pastors in our, at our church, right? And mingle with one another too, please. Can we just go and hang out in that lobby, yeah? I know I look scary, okay? But I'm nice, I promise. I don't bite, okay? Well, God bless you. Thank you so much for a wonderful Sunday. I'll see you next week.